0: One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message, and for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Well, good morning, church family. Happy Sunday to you wherever you're at today. It is so good to get to speak to you, and uh, we are Uh, launching into an exciting season as we move into the last couple of months of 2022. That is uh, hard to imagine uh, that I am saying that the last couple of months of 2022, but uh, this is really a wonderful season and I'm so excited for all that is ahead of us. Uh, As we move into the months of November, uh, let me just mention a couple of things. Uh, Number one, of course, we've got our monthly one-night gathering coming up uh, that I am so excited about. Uh, Hope that you'll plan to join us. And uh, also, uh, we have our Friendsgiving celebration, our annual Friendsgiving celebration coming up this month. And so I hope that you'll just stay uh, in tune with everything that's happening and stay up to date with everything that's happening. the events page of our website. But I want to say thank you for joining us uh, today. This really is a wonderful uh, time that we get to tune in, join in as a church family. I know we're still uh, using technology, but uh, I just want to say how much I love you. I'm so grateful for you. And uh, every time I'm looking at a camera, I'm looking through it and looking at your faces. I'm thinking of all of the beautiful house churches gathering today so thank you so much for tuning in today well if you have your bible why don't you grab it and turn with me to the book of james uh, chapter 5 james chapter 5. i want to pick back up on the series uh, that we started really at our last one night gathering that i felt like the lord put on my heart just around prayer and i'm calling this little series teach us to pray And I spoke to you in that gathering uh, out of the passage in the Gospels where the disciples say to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And I shared with you that that's really the only thing that the disciples ever asked Jesus specifically to teach on, to pray, teach us to pray. Uh, And that shows us the importance of prayer. They understood that really the power of Jesus's life flowed out of his prayer life. And if we want to be people that live in the power of God, uh, the life of God, we need to be people of prayer. And I shared with you again, of course, a couple of weeks ago now uh, on one of the aspects of becoming a person of prayer, a people of prayer, learning to pray. And that is waiting on the Lord. I spoke to you out of the book of Psalms about waiting on the Lord. The Bible says those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And uh, what a wonderful promise, Uh, if you're weary, that you can receive strength through waiting on the Lord. And that's really uh, prayer and uh, all of our spiritual life flows out of that place. But I shared with you that oftentimes we, uh, one of the greatest hindrances to prayer is simply we're too busy. We don't have time. And so as we learn to slow down and to wait on the presence of God, we begin to move into the place of prayer. And I want to pick up uh, the next message today out of James chapter 5. James chapter 5. I want to speak on another aspect of prayer, and that is the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith. And here's what James says, Uh, James chapter 5, verse 13. He says, "Is, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Listen to this. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Listen to this. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit." Now, here we find James, the brother of Jesus, uh, teaching on prayer, and he talks about all kinds of different circumstances. If you're suffering, if you're sick, uh, if you've sinned, pray in all of those circumstances, pray. And I believe that this reveals to us uh, one of the aspects, or maybe I should say the importance of prayer once again, that prayer is so important because prayer changes Things. And I want to draw your attention to these words. The fervent or the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Uh, I, I know we don't use that word avails very often, but it means it changes things. And I love that that James, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, says if you're if you if you're sick, if you if you're suffering, If you've sinned, pray because prayer is effective. Prayer changes things. Or we could say it this way, prayer gets results. Now, I don't know what you think about when you think of prayer, but I think every single one of us should recognize that prayer gets results. Prayer changes things. And oftentimes I think one of the hindrances to prayer is not only that oftentimes we're too busy and we need to learn to wait on the Lord, but oftentimes one of the hindrances to prayer is that we don't recognize that prayer gets results. We think that prayer is, you know, kind of one of those things we should do, but oftentimes not one of those things that we're excited to do because we just don't think that it really changes things that much. But James says here, it is effective. It Um, It gets results. It avails much. And and I believe this, that when we recognize the effectiveness of prayer, that we will begin to give ourselves to prayer. But James says here, it is specifically the prayer of faith. That means this, that it's not just... prayer out of obligation, but it is prayer that is taking hold of the purposes of God. That is the prayer of faith. It gets results. I remember the first time in my life that I recognized the effectiveness of prayer, that prayer changes things. It gets results. I remember as a kid one time, I grew up praying and we would pray over food and we pray at bed and at bedtime and pray in church and all of those things. But I remember the first time that I saw the results of prayer. I was probably about six years old and I had lost my wallet. I probably only had a dollar in it. But to me, that was a big deal. And I remember I'd gone all around the house looking for my wallet and couldn't find it anywhere. And I started asking my family, has anybody seen my wallet? Has has somebody taken my wallet? Who has my wallet? I I remember my dad said, well, son, have you talked to the Lord? I said, Dad, are you accusing the Lord of stealing my wallet? <laughs> uh, he said, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that. He, say, he said, uh, the Lord knows where your wallet is. And you need to talk to the Lord about your wallet. He said, son, let's just pray right now. And I'll never forget the prayer he prayed. Here's what he said. Lord, you know where that wallet is. And I pray you would show Justin where that wallet is. I was about six years old. And, and I remember as soon as we finished praying... I opened my eyes, and I had this thought, a place in the house that I had not checked that suddenly came to my mind, and I went there, and uh, sure enough, my wallet was sitting right there. And I, I knew in that moment, it became clear to me that prayer gets results, prayer changes things. And I have to tell you that ever since that time, I've had faith to believe God to find things. I've found all kinds of things, lost keys. Um, I, I found a friend who is, the screw came out of his glasses, tiny little screw in the middle of a big gymnasium. And I said, Lord, I prayed that prayer. You know where that screw is, would you show us? And sure enough, we found the screw. Now, I know that's a little thing. Uh, That may sound like things that don't really matter, but to me, it showed me the reality that prayer gets results. And here, James gives us a story, an illustration, a case study on prayer in the life of Elijah. Now, if you know the story of Elijah, Elijah was an Old Testament prophet in Israel at a time when Israel had turned away from God and pursued idols. They had a wicked king named Ahab. And God said to Elijah, Elijah, I want you to pray against rain. I want you to pray and prophesy a drought over Israel. And Elijah prayed, "Uh, Lord, shut the heavens, shut the rain. Don't let any rain come. Now, in an agricultural society, for it to not rain, that shut down the nation. That was a huge impact on the country. It would have produced a recession and all kinds of problems. And and God, in response to Elijah's prayer, stopped the rain for three and a half years. And then God said to Elijah again, Elijah, I want you to pray for the rain. I'm going to send the rain. And Elijah prayed and it rained. And Elijah's prayer shifted history, it changed history, it got results. And uh, James, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as he's talking about the effectiveness of prayer, says, I want you to remember what happened to Elijah, that Elijah prayed and it changed history. And, And I want you to understand today, church, that as we're talking about prayer, God cares about small things. He cares about lost wallets. He cares about lost screws in glasses and prayer gets results. But God also cares about the the global needs of humanity. And through prayer, prayer changes history. Prayer gets results. One of the most incredible stories of prayer that is very similar to what has happened or what James talks about in the life of Elijah, there was another um, history-making prayer moment that happened in the history of Great Britain in the 1940s uh, as World War II raged on the continent of Europe. Uh, Hitler had advanced across the continent of Europe and had just uh, defeated France. France had fallen to the Nazis. And in May, the end of May in 1940, the British army had been driven back to the coast of France. Uh, The Nazis had had come all the way across Europe and now they've pinned the British in and it looked like an absolute defeat um, without question. And over 300,000 British troops were pinned down on the beach of Dunkirk. Perhaps you're, you're familiar with this story. And as they were pinned down on the beach in Dunkirk, the British troops, the, the majority of the British army there, um, just awaiting what seemed to be imminent death with no way out. And with that portion of the army lost and the military gone, uh, British defeat seemed imminent and it was utterly hopeless. And King George VI, in that moment, did something that has only happened a few times in the history of that nation. He called a National Day of Prayer. And if you look it up online, you can see even today uh, photographs and videos of a National Day of Prayer in Great Britain, all across the nation, their parish churches filled with people calling on God, the king of England went to pray at Westminster Abbey. Winston Churchill, the Prime Minister of England, went to pray. And it was the prayers that shifted the course of history and brought salvation, not only for the 300,000 troops on the beaches at Dunkirk, but ultimately brought deliverance and salvation to all of Great Britain and ultimately had a tremendous effect on on the outcome of the war. As they began to pray and call on God, there was, there was several um, what can only be described as miraculous events that took place. Number one, uh, Hitler inexplicably stopped his progress across France. Uh, historians, military strategists tell us there's no reason why he would have stopped. Uh, he was a murderous madman pursuing the troops, but for some reason he stopped, and military historians will tell us that that was one of uh, of Hitler's greatest military blunders that perhaps ultimately cost him the war, so Hitler stopped. Another thing that happened as they prayed is a thick cloud cover set in over the beach and ultimately protected the troops on the beach from the German Air Force coming in and bombing and shooting and and killing them on the beach. A thick cloud set in. And and not only that, but the English Channel became so calm that one uh, observer said that it became like glass. And as that uh, body of water that oftentimes is so stormy and so, so tumultuous turned to glass almost a thousand uh, civilian vessels were able to come across the English Channel from Great Britain and rescue the uh, British soldiers over the course of a week, rescued the British soldiers. And I, I, perhaps, I want you to know, perhaps you're familiar with that story in history, but it was the result of prayer. And that's what James is talking about when he says the fervent, effective prayers of of a righteous person avails much. It changes things. Prayer is, yes, it's about relationship. Yes, it's out of the relationship that we have with our Father, but we have to recognize that prayer isn't just about relationship. Prayer is about results. God has has, uh, appointed prayer as the means to accomplish His will upon the earth. And when we recognize that prayer gets results, we will become impassioned for prayer. We will become excited about prayer. That's the kind of people that we want to be. We want to be people that when it's prayer time, it's not, well, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. We want to be people that when it's time to pray, we recognize this is the most productive thing we do. Prayer is the most productive thing you do because prayer moves the hand of God on your behalf. Prayer is not just a religious formality. Prayer has a punch. Prayer prayer, uh, has a punch in the face of the devil, defeats the devil, defeats the enemy, and brings God's will to bear upon your life. If you're sick, pray. If you're suffering, pray. If you're battling sin, pray. Pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for one another. That's what James says. And so I want to give you a few uh, parts, if if I could say, a few parts of prayer. If we want to live as people of prayer and, and live with the prayer of faith, a few things that I believe we can take out of this story of Elijah. so that we can become people who pray with effect. The first thing that I want you to see out of the story of Elijah, and I'm gonna go back and forth from James to 1 Kings, but uh, the first aspect, if we wanna be people who pray the prayer of faith, number one, we need to recognize the person of prayer. An aspect of the prayer of faith is the person of prayer. Now, maybe you hear these stories of praying for little things, or maybe these prayers that shift history, and you think, that's not me. I'm not that kind of person. Uh, don't ask me to pray in front of people or lead people in prayer or intercede for the nation. Um, I, I'm just not that kind of person. I'm not a person of prayer. Or, or maybe you feel this, you know, if if God knew what I, what I did, if God knows what I did, if God uh, if God knew what I did last night, or if he knows what I'm thinking about, I could never pray. Well, let me tell you, he does know. <laughs> but you can still pray. The Bible says this, that because of Jesus Christ, we can boldly approach the throne of grace. But here's what I want you to see. This is so encouraging to me. In James chapter 5, verse 17 James says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So you may feel like I'm not a person of prayer. I, I, my prayers are not effective. I, I want to give you a word of encouragement. Elijah was just like you. He had a nature just like you. He got tired just like you. He had emotions just like you. He had temptations just like you you. He wasn't a spiritual superhero. James says he was a man with a nature just like you. Do you ever feel like, I don't really feel like praying. I do. Elijah did. He was a man with a nature just like yours, but he prayed. You see, God uses ordinary people. He uses ordinary people because it's ultimately not about your goodness. The effectiveness of your prayer isn't about your goodness or your merit. It's about God's goodness. Prayer, the prayer of faith is is standing not on our own goodness. It's about standing on the goodness of God, taking hold of God's goodness. And, And you may feel, I can't pray. I don't have any goodness. I don't have any merit. You know, maybe you feel like, Uh, If you have a problem, you need to, or somebody else has a problem, they need to go to a holy man to pray. Go to the pastor to pray. Go to, you know, somebody more spiritual than you. Let me encourage you again. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Let me say it this way. You need to believe that God wants to use you in prayer to change the circumstances around you. God wants to use you to change the circumstances in your family. God wants to use you to change the circumstances in your neighborhood. God wants to use us to change the circumstances in our city and our nation. People just like us, ordinary people, because Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. God uses ordinary people to change the course of history through prayer. I love a testimony that we've shared years ago of Michelle Parker, one of the precious women in our church. And if you know Michelle, um, she is not, you know, boisterous, gregarious, loud in her normal temperament, but she recognizes the power of prayer. A number of years ago, her brother was in, ho- in the hospital, seemed to be a terminal diagnosis and Michelle prayed and God worked a miracle on their behalf. And I want you to know God wants to use you to pray and and change things in prayer. God wants to use us. So number one, we've got to recognize the person of prayer. The second thing I want you to see if we want to become people that uh, pray the prayer of faith, the second thing from the life of Elijah is not only the person of prayer, but the place of prayer 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 42 says that Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, Mount Carmel, and he bowed down on the ground and he put his face between his knees. Notice this, that when Elijah went to pray, he went to a place. He went to a place. Now, I shared with you last week that, or a few weeks ago, not only are we often hindered by our lack of time to pray, but oftentimes we're hindered because we just don't have a place to go. We don't have a place that becomes our prayer place. And I'll, I'll ask, and this you don't have to answer this, but let me just ask you this. Do you have a place of prayer yet? <laughs> have you decided, where do I go to pray? It, for Elijah, apparently, it was Mount Carmel. This was where he went. He went to the top of Mount Carmel. And I I want you to see, not only did he go to the top of Mount Carmel, but the Bible says he bowed down on the ground and he put his face between his knees. So it was not only the place of prayer, but also the posture of prayer or the position of prayer. He got into this place of prayer on Mount Carmel and he put his, he got down on his knees and he put his head down and he began to pray. There was something about the posture. He was positioning himself to pray. Now we can pray anywhere, anytime, and God always hears our prayers, but there's something about getting into a place where we position ourselves and we say, now I'm going to move into the place of prayer. Now, God, I've come to meet with you. I've come to do business with you. I've come to dedicate myself to you and I'm getting into the position and I'm getting into the place of prayer. And, And I believe that this place was significant where Elijah went the top of Carmel, the top of Mount Carmel. Uh, Not only does it sound delicious, but it was a beautiful place. Uh, There's something significant in that place uh, and a few things that I think we can learn about the place of prayer from Mount Carmel. Number one, it was one of the tallest mountains in Israel. And I believe there's something about getting into the place of prayer that lifts us above the circumstances. You know, when you go to the top of a mountain, you can see further, you can see clearer. It, it raises you above the circumstances of life. Everything that seems so big when you're at the at, on ground level, when you get to the top of the mountain, it doesn't seem so big. And that's what happens when you get into the place of prayer. You rise above the circumstances of life and you get a different perspective. You can see further. So it was a high peak. Not only was it a high peak, but Mount Carmel is filled with caves for hiding. In fact, David, when he was on the run for his life, he hid in a cave in Mount Carmel. And when we learn to go to the place of prayer, we find a hiding place. We find a place of refuge. We find a place that when we are facing difficulty, facing challenges, we have a place to go because we've cultivated a place of prayer. Do you have a place with God? Do you have a place that's become sacred? And I don't mean just a physical place, a place in God, a place of prayer that feels familiar that you can go when you face challenges. Carmel was also a a beautiful, flourishing mountain. It was a place that would be green and lush. And I believe that that reveals to us that when we cultivate a place of prayer, a prayer life with God, that we find a place that is refreshing, a place that is flourishing, that even when life feels dry and feels like Uh, you know, a drought as it was in Israel. There is a place that is fresh and flourishing. There is a place where where we can be revived in the presence of God. We've got to learn to cultivate a place of prayer, a place in the presence of God. And, And let me say this, we should not be foreigners to that place. We should not feel like we're aliens or out of place We should be people that have cultivated a place of prayer in the presence of God that when you go to that place, you feel at home. Elijah went to a place of prayer on Mount Carmel. And if we're going to be people that pray the prayer of faith, not only do we need to recognize that we are the person of prayer, we've got to go to the place of prayer. The third thing I want you to see is not only the person of prayer and the place of prayer, but the promise of prayer. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse one, it says, it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah, I will send rain on the earth. So how did Elijah pray this powerful prayer that caused it to rain and changed history for the nation of Israel? Here's what I want you to see. He had a word from God, he had a promise. It wasn't just, I hope it'll rain, it'd be nice if it rained. No, it it was based on a conviction that God had said, it's gonna rain. God had said, Elijah, I will send rain on the earth. Now I want you to notice that God had already given that promise, but Elijah had to pray in the promise. God had pronounced his will, But then Elijah had to pray in the will of God. And that's true for every single one of us. Uh, We need to take hold of the word of God, but then we have to pray in the will of God. We have to uh, pray in the promises of God. Sometimes our prayers are weak and tepid and, and not effective simply because we don't know the word of God well enough to pray the will of God with confidence based upon the word of God. When you don't know what the will of God is, it's hard to pray with confidence. Uh, God, let it rain. But when you know what God has said, you can pray with confidence and with assurance. I know what the will of God is. God, you said, let it rain. And Lord, I am praying. Let it rain. Let it rain. You see, prayer and scripture go hand in hand. Prayer and scripture are like two pedals on a bicycle. The, The 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 word of God should drive us to pray and prayer should propel us into the word of God. We need to know the word of God so we can pray in line with the word of God. Some people use the statement, if it be thy will, as some sort of kind of fatalistic, um, you know, I can't really be sure. I don't want to ask with confidence. I'll ask something if it's your will. Now, I know there are some times that we have to pray that way because we may not know what the will of God is, but I believe God wants us to know his will. I I believe the word of God reveals the will of God so that we can pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That prayer was not some fatalistic, if it, you know, maybe your will would be done. No, it is a proclamation. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. heaven. So Elijah not only was a person of prayer and a place of prayer, but he also had the promise of prayer. And if you want to be a person that sees prayer become effective in your life, you've got to take hold of the promise of God over your life. God's promise and God's purpose for your life is good. You can be guaranteed of that, that when you face challenges, when you face difficulty, it's not God's will for you to be defeated. It's not God's will for you to be sick. It's God's will for you to be healthy. It's God's will for you to be free. It's God's will for, for you to um, experience His goodness. And we need to hold on to the promise of God. The last thing I want you to see, not only did Elijah recognize that he was the person of prayer and he went to the place of prayer and he had the promise of prayer. The fourth thing I want you to see is the persistence of prayer, the persistence of prayer. Notice what the Bible says in First Kings, chapter 18, verse 43. Elijah verse 42, it says, Elijah went up and he bowed down to the ground and he put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and he looked and he said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, Go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Here, Elijah went to pray and holding on to the word of God. And as he's praying, he stops and he says to his servant, Go check, go check the sky. His servant went and looked, not a cloud in the sky. He comes back, no clouds. Elijah goes to pray again, Lord, send the rain, send the rain, send the rain. Go check again. Still no clouds. Six times he checks, not a cloud in the sky. The last time, Lord, let it rain, send the rain. You said it will rain. Tells his servant, go check again. And his servant says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. (laughs) That's a pretty small cloud. (laughs) That's not a a certain storm. But Elijah knew he had prayed it through. You see, sometimes we don't get results to prayer simply because we don't pray it through. We're like kids that you know, play ding dong ditch. We, we ring the doorbell for God. We knock on the door and we run away before he gives us an answer. And, and Jesus uses the illustration of the widow, the persistent widow that kept knocking, kept knocking, kept knocking. And he says, this is how we should pray and not lose heart. I know some of you may have been praying for something for years. Let me encourage you. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. If God has said that it will rain, you can be assured it will rain. If God has said that he will give you an answer to prayer, you can rest assured he will bring the answer, but he is wanting us to persist in prayer. Elijah didn't get the answer the first time. What if he had given up? What if he had said, well, I guess I missed God. Seven times he prayed, he prayed. And I I believe that's true for us, that we need to learn to persist in prayer. You know, biblically, the number seven is the number of completion. And we need to pray until we come to a place of completion where we, we feel it's done. It's done. And notice Elijah had not even yet seen the rain. It had not started raining, but all he knew is there was a cloud. God had heard his prayer. And we have to pray until we feel that sense. It's done. God's heard me. Uh, There's a a sense of release that comes when we persist in prayer. People used to refer, refer to that as praying through. We don't just pray and leave it with God. We pray and we keep on praying. We ask and we keep on asking. We persist in prayer. And I believe that God wants us to be people that see, that, that see results because we learn what it means to persist in prayer, that we learn to become people that recognize, I, I, I'm, I may not feel like a great man of faith or woman of faith, but Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed, I'm gonna be a person of prayer. I'm gonna go to a place of prayer. I'm gonna cultivate a place where I encounter the presence of God in prayer. I'm going to hold on to the promise of God and I'm going to persist in prayer to see the purpose of God fulfilled in my life. I want to encourage you. God wants to use you in prayer. Perhaps today there's an area of your life that feels dry, that feels maybe like Elijah did. It felt like a drought. Now, I believe that God will respond. I want to pray for you today, even even now, that God would send the rain into that area of your life. And so, Father, I thank you for every person listening to this, watching this today. And Lord, we thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to be people of prayer. Lord, even in our humanity, even in all of our shortcomings, God, that you would use us like you'd use Elijah. And Father, I pray that we would be people that would recognize the privilege and the power that we have in prayer. Lord, I pray for those that are standing in need today, standing perhaps in, in faith for an area of their lives that has been dry, an area of their lives that has been unproductive. Lord, perhaps it's a health situation and Perhaps it's a a bad report from the doctor. Lord, I pray, let your healing power rain down on them. Lord, perhaps it's financial, a financial need. Perhaps it's a job or a car or a house or some sort of provision. Lord, I pray today, let it rain upon your people. Father, we thank you for it, Lord, that the fervent, effectual prayers of a righteous person avails much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, church, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I hope that this encourages you. I want to encourage you, even as you're in house church today, to take a few minutes just to talk about this, pray for one another. Uh, maybe there's some things that you can lift up before the Lord together as a community. And I want to remind you uh, we are so looking forward to being together for our one night gathering. I believe it's going to be a powerful Encounter with God. I hope you'll be there. I can't wait to see you then. God bless you. Have a great day